1: this is the story of harry's for decades one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers then one day an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors he was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving they called it harry's by taking less profit and selling online harry's can offer quality blades for less You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.
3: Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Comb Over that we're using as our intro this season. James, we're going to be diving into your latest Farm Futures piece. Lower level arms on the rise, but first just want to touch on some of the trades we've seen already with the trade deadline approaching, some prospects on the move. As a Reds fan, you know, I knew it was coming, but uh, the, the Chapman trade... The, the return the Yankees got, uh, you know, seeing what they got as a Reds fan, still made me feel pretty sick to my stomach.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you would take, you'd probably take Billy McKinney over the entire package entire you package. guys got. You'd probably because take, we
3: probably didn't get a single. Well, we may not have gotten a single major leaguer.
2: Yeah, very, very possible you didn't get a single major leaguer out of that trade. And then I think you'd also probably, even though he struggled big time with the Cubs. I think he might just take Adam Warren over yeah. over that whole package as well, just uh, because seriously. you know at at the very least he, he's he's proven himself to be, uh, you know like a number four, number five starter type, mm-hmm. and he's under team control. So yeah, I could I could see how that would have been frustrating on yeah. your end, <laughs> and given the fact that
3: well the state of uh, the Reds rotation, especially the back end and, and the starting pitching market, Warren would have been fine at. Instead, they got rookie Davis. Uh, who
2: else? Eric Jiggyello. I-
3: yeah, Jiggyello.
2: I mean, I mean, <laughs> just a terrible package. It's it's just bad. It's very bad. Uh, the the Yankees. You know, I thought this was just uh, like a, a genius maneuver by Brian Cashman, and I almost wonder how much of the the whole loading up with those those two just absolute stud lefty relievers was foresight and just how much of it was just well these guys are awesome we want to add them Mm -hmm. but like the foresight to have those two guys at a you know available when there was nobody even close to them in terms of left handed relievers on the market and you have the cubs the most you know probably pot committed team this year i mean they have the best team their biggest weakness is left-handed relief pitching and you have the two best guys on the market by by landslide they could kind of name their price like yeah. i mean I, I think and then you set the market for miller right by trading <laughs> exactly like now now people are talking about like miller for giolito straight up as Jeez. like a is like a thing that could happen so uh yeah i mean i, I thought it was a, a brilliant move by the yankees and i still i i know that people are saying the cubs you know gave up too much maybe for for a guy who who maybe only pitches i don't know he's gonna pitch like 40 innings for them from here until the end of the postseason Mm -hmm. but to me if you have a guy like glaber torres who is that valuable right now and there's really it's really hard to see how he's going to fit into your team in the next Mm -hmm. three or four years just given all the the other pieces you have uh I like it, you know. I think you you better to make this move than to not make it and then lose in the postseason because you can't get righties out when you need to late Mm. in games, and then just kind of wonder what if.
3: Yeah, exactly. And Chapman's just a different monster back there. I guess there is kind of the argument of you know how valuable really is a closer, but I think with this team that was kind of. I mean, Hector Rondon was was really good, but just that was the one kind of big question mark was the back end of that. Uh, bullpen heading in uh, to the stretch run here of the season you know there's kind of also maybe some may think yeah Torres didn't really fit in with the Cubs how does he fit in with the Yankees he can't ever have too many good shortstop prospects maybe he'll move off but uh, his his bat should play really wherever he has to move am I right
2: well yeah I mean I, I don't think I don't think there's any way he moves off for them he's just if you factor in defense mm-hmm. i think he's he's easily their best their their shortstop of the future uh i have him ranked ahead of jorge mateo for fantasy purposes and Mateo's a better fantasy prospect than a real life prospect so mm-hmm. that kind of tells you where the real life gap is between those two guys especially in terms of just sort of safety i mean i think mateo his his overall upside might might outpace Torres, but, uh, Torres just, he, he's a, he's a very safe option. You know, I think he's, you know, at worst like a, a roll 50 shortstop and, uh, the powers kind of come on this year in a way that I don't think many people expected it to. Uh, he's often been sort of described in that, uh, kind of Orlando Arcia, everything's above average, except the power, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of been the, the scouting report. Well, you know now the power could could end up getting a 45 50 grade and then then you're talking about a potential all-star if everything else uh you know clicks if the hit tool is as good as people seem to think it is and you know i think then then you kind of have jorge mateo as a guy that you could maybe move to second base you could maybe move him to center field which i think is uh you know that would kind of stink a little bit for his fantasy value but i think that would be very interesting to see a guy with his wheels patrolling center field at some point uh that would just be a really nice kind of up the middle force that they would have there
3: yeah absolutely and this is an exciting time because i'm sure there'll be a lot of prospects on the move we'll have a lot to dive into next week but there are a few more i want to touch on this one kind of not you know not a sexy trade by any means but the trade with the braves and the rangers yesterday lucas harrell uh, dario alvarez going to texas and travis Demerit uh, for, former top top pick going to Atlanta. You know, demerit in terms of fantasy upside. You know, he has a PED suspension on his record, but a ton of power. What are you looking at for him in terms of, you know, long-term dynasty value?
2: I think I have him ranked in the, the 140 range of the, the top 200 right now. And uh, he's just – he's a boomer bust guy all the way because – you know he's he's struck struck out at a, like a thirty three percent clip or higher at every stop since rookie ball I believe, and his crazy numbers this year are coming with High Desert as his home ballpark and just the Cow League in general. As you know, I mean that that's that's really tough to kind of get a gauge on on how good a prospect is when they're playing half their games at High Desert. Uh, you know, it's I think the Rangers. I'm not, I mean, I don't think Lucas Harrell is going to be good for them at all. I, I don't buy no. into that. I, I do like Dario Alvarez a little bit. Um, Demerit's a guy I would have been totally fine moving if I was the Rangers. Yeah. I just, I would have maybe sought a different package, but maybe that this was the best they could do. He's, I mean, he's, he's the type of guy where he could easily totally just bust out and not, I mean, he might not even really sniff the big leagues honestly i mean he could end up being sort of an adam brett walker type at second base once he once he moves on from high desert Goodness. but the upside is that he's brian dozier basically because you're talking about a guy that could hit 245 250 and still be a top five shorts or his top top five uh, second baseman given the the power and the speed so uh the and the brave system you know we we've talked about it before how you know, you and I maybe aren't as high on it as some other people just because I think when your system is getting pumped up, you know, mostly because of the arms, there's a chance that you maybe don't have that much there. But I think, you know, demerit gives them an, another legitimate power bat. I mean, Austin Riley was really the only other guy. Uh, maybe maybe I'll throw back Braxton Davidson in there, but the only other guy really in the system with, with plus power uh demerit definitely has that so i think the the braves did well to turn lucas harrell into anything and then i mean yeah. a guy like Daryl alvarez uh you know relievers when you're when you're on where the braves are on the wind curve they're they're a commodity you definitely don't mind moving
3: yeah that was definitely a trade that that really made perfect sense for atlanta given where they're at and finally the the bj upton Melvin Upton junior trade to the blue jays i think a lot of people you know Want to label this a win for for the Blue Jays right away? Uh, Padres, of course, taking on a lot of that remaining salary due to Melvin Upton. But uh, you like the prospect they got back, Hansel Rodriguez. They're going to be relying on him to to really pan out, given all the money they are paying Upton uh, the rest of this year and next. But what
2: is the the package in terms of pitches with with Rodriguez? Well, he's <laughs> You know, I I like him in the sense that they got like you know the the Padres basically ate that salary to get him back, mm-hmm. and people weren't really talking a ton about him uh, as part of that deal. He was just kind of seen as a, a throw-in type, uh, and that was sort of the way that people were talking about Fernando Tatis spec when the the Padres got him thrown in uh, in a in a trade earlier this year. Uh, Rodriguez is you know he's mid-90s with the fastball Uh, it's got a solid breaking ball I mean the secondaries aren't quite there yet but I mean he's a 19 year old pitching in rookie ball Uh, a lot of projection there he's 6'2", 170 Uh, I thought they did pretty well I I wrote about him in in this week's piece just because I I was touching on some guys in, in the lower levels and uh he's he's a name to keep in mind. He's not in their top ten because the Padres have improved their farm system more than anyone since the, the start of the season, but he's he's probably on the, the fringe of their top twenty. I think there'll be some other
3: guys that you wrote about this week that are on the move at the deadline as well. And we will dive into that, but real quick, just looking at at you know the top prospects uh in, in baseball, are there any prospects or one in particular that you feel like uh maybe have a gut feeling or just kind of See it and see the logic in it that you feel is going to get traded at the deadline this year. Hmm.
2: Uh, You
3: You know, I think think Frazier or one of those Indians prospects.
2: I think the Indians. If I mean, if they're not active, I think that's a big mistake on their end. Uh, I think that they would like to move Zimmer probably more than Frazier, but. I think every team's gonna be holding out for for Frazier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see him move into the Brewers as, as kind of the headliner in a in a Lucroy deal. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, nice. who we're gonna talk about, is is a guy that I think if you're you're the Indians, there, there's probably a few teams out there that that really really like McKenzie, and you could you could get something nice for him. Uh, Justice Sheffield's a guy in their system I wouldn't mind moving either. Just just given kind of. Yeah, I think there's there's some bullpen risk there. Uh, you know, I I don't. Do you think the Cubs are done? Because like I I think the Cubs. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they worked something out for one of the Rays starters and and kind of did something with Ian Happ. Um, I can see that, but is that is that really that big of a, a need for them? I think as I Hamill's struggling, like. I think that you just you look at that. That organizational depth in, in the rotation there, I mean, what happens if any one of those guys goes down? Who steps yeah. in? And then, you know, if you lose one of the top four guys, I mean, Jason Hamill, I think, is the, the clear fifth guy in that rotation right now. If you lose one of the top four guys, you know, then what do you do you know, in a seven-game series? I I would consider this, and I think somebody, it might have been Heyman or... Um, rosenthal maybe tweeted you know something to the effect of that they're kind of viewing this trade deadline now now that they have chapman as kind of a a long-term uh shopping chance where they can add someone not just for this year but just for for the long term as well yeah uh you know if you're gonna like say, say they were gonna go get a starter like that this off season to kind of sure up that rotation long term you know with lackey getting old and everything and hamill uh, always kind of sort of fading in the second half. Why not just do it now so you have that guy for for the postseason mm. run? Yeah, I've heard they are interested in
3: young, controllable mm. pitching. And, and and now that uh, Adam Warren is gone, there is kind of an opening for a long role. Right. The they
2: don't have like they they just don't have anyone really unless they wanted mm. to do something with Mike Mike Montgomery. Uh, they don't yeah. have anything really in terms of uh, a six starter. Uh, obviously, we know – we were talking about this before the show. Obviously, Anthony DiScofani completely off the table. Uh, Probably not even going to consider anything. Won't, won't, that, Walt Jacket, he said they won't consider anything for <laughs> Anthony DiScofani. So ridiculous. <laughs> so, I uh, think they should look to
3: move him. Look, I, he's great, but – with the market and the fact that he is right. under control for so many years, that that return could be substantial.
2: Right. And I, I think you're going to see – they got see, him for
3: Matt F. and Latos.
2: I, yeah, that, that looks really good now. <laughs> uh, I think you're going to see the, the starting pitching. I, I, think, I, think, I don't think the Yankees are going to move Miller, uh, but I think starting pitching, there's going to be a, a guy or two that gets moved, and the package is just going to blow – people's minds i think mm. uh when you see if, if the rays end up do do end up moving uh more or archer or odorizzi or maybe you know maybe there's a another maybe Tehran becomes available or, or the a's get some interest in sunny gray you know he's I would love to see better
3: the package for sale
2: yeah i <laughs> i mean they were they're asking for so much that. that I don't yeah. think it's going to happen because they're asking teams for kind of like their franchise hitters. You know, yeah, like didn't they asked for bats. <laughs> they asked for bats. They asked for I mean, they're they're. I don't blame them for yeah. starting there. I mean, I. I mean, bets is a little unrealistic. If you were the, I mean, if you were the White Sox, would you do something with the Red Sox centered around Yon Mankata? Yeah, and oh yeah, see, I I think the Red Sox would too, and yeah. I think that if the White Sox were willing to do that, I think it would already be done because I I think if you're the Red Sox and Dave Dombrowski and you can add the best pitcher in the league and that's like your biggest weakness is is your rotation. I think anyone on the farm has to be available in in a trade discussion if it, if it makes you the the clear favorites to win uh, the pennant. So, I mean, I think, if that was on the table, I think it would already be done. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. Um,
3: but seeing the precedent set by the Chapman deal, and that's for you know obviously a dominant closer, but for a back end arm, some of the packages for maybe controllable young starters, mm-hmm. yeah, it really could. And be even crazy.
2: controllable proven relievers like a you know like a Will Smith mm-hmm. or uh, you know, Jeremy Jeffress has been talked about. I know Alex Colomay's name's gotten thrown out. Daniel Rob or uh, David Robertson. I mean, if you'd be, I'd be interested to kind of see what those guys get, considering what you know the the Braves land a guy like Demerit for a reliever who's just reached the big leagues. I mean, what would a what would a guy that's that's got some years of control who's already kind of proven he's capable of handling the eighth or ninth inning get?
3: Yeah, the Reds saying they're not even going to consider packages for Di Slifani. and I heard the Reds announcers talking the other day that you know. Given the market, they probably shouldn't trade Bruce
2: and, right now. Well and uh
3: you know teams, teams need
2: to start getting serious if they <laughs> want to get Bruce. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if teams want Bruce, better get serious. They missed the window to deal Todd Frazier high, they missed the window to, to deal Ross Chapman high last year at the deadline. I don't like that approach at all. The you know, market will be better in the off season. Well what if they get that's, hurt or what if they struggle mightily over these false, final two by months? The way. That's yeah.
2: that's completely false. Mm-hmm. Uh the market is always the best at the deadline. And this, just think about it in fantasy terms. When are you more likely to mortgage your future and trade your your stud prospects in the off season, or mm-hmm. when you're competing to win yeah, exactly. a title? Like that's, you know, trades happen at at the deadline and and when people are in the mix and know that they are you know one of two or three teams that can win it all. That's when crazy trades happen. They don't mm-hmm. happen in the de- in the off season when every like team A's, thinks they have a chance. Yeah, you know, they don't. Dub- Addison Russell it's
3: it's crazy because t- the Reds too were ready to really just dump Bruce's salary earlier in the year right. remember and now that he's actually has some value maybe they can no. get a piece back You just got to get no. serious man yeah, they got to get serious with those packages. <laughs> it's a joke man they, i give him credit for you know the DeSclafani trade uh you know, getting a guy like Dan Straley off waivers that was a steal but uh more misses than hits I'd say for that front office right now and they're getting left in the dust by well, the Brewers, the team another team that's rebuilding in the Central, they're really just running circles around the Reds right now. And I think they will continue right, to once they move. Yeah.
2: In the next week or so, that Brewers system could look it could look like the best system in baseball.
3: Yeah, it really could.
2: Uh let's talk about your latest farm futures
3: piece, lower level arms on the rise. Check it out, the full article for yourself, roadwire.com, slash pod for free ten day trial. If you do not have a subscription, first guy you you wrote up here, Yadier Alvarez in the Dodgers organization. He's at the low A level. A 20-year-old, 217 ERA, 09 whip, 46 strikeouts to 11 walks and 29 innings. you think he could be a guy that draws interest uh, at the deadline this year?
2: I definitely think he'll draw interest. I don't think the Dodgers are going to consider trading him. I mean, they have other arms in their system that they could move if they, they really wanted to get something done. Uh, Alvarez, he just, he's dominating in the Midwest league right now through two starts, uh, back to back 10 strikeout games, one game. He he only threw five innings. The other game, he only threw four innings. It's still got the 10 Ks, just one walk in those two starts. Uh, honestly, wouldn't surprise me if he, if he puts a couple more starts like that together he might get another promotion before the end of the year to, to high A because, uh, I mean, he's 20 years old. So it's not like, it's not like he's an 18 year old there. It it took him a little bit to get going in the Arizona league. He was still dominating there, but I mean, now he's, he's borderline unhittable and, uh, you know, he's got that big fastball plus slider. Uh, I don't know how, how the changeups coming along, but I mean, the, the, Command it appears to be uh, really solid right now. I mean, this is this is one of the pitchers in the minors with the most upside right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's. I'd imagine he's. You know, you did just update your prospect list, but steadily climbing.
2: The, the I ranks. I uh, I updated it before he debuted at Low A, mm-hmm. and then I bumped him up about thirty spots after those two starts at <laughs> Low A because. I mean, come on, the guy he could be a, a future ace at worst. He's one of the best relievers in the game. And, you know, so, I mean, I think this is a guy that he should be owned in pretty much all serious leagues because this is, you know, he was the top pitching prospect at last year's uh, in last year's J two class. And he was older than most of those guys. So, I mean, you knew that he wasn't going to be in the minors for five or six years. So he should be owned everywhere, but, uh, you know, if I owned him and someone came calling right now, I'd try to find a way to make something happen without having to move Alvarez. But, I mean, i got to imagine you could get quite a haul for him right now.
3: Yeah, I imagine, you know, the Dodgers are said to be in the market for, you know, top flight options, not just marginal upgrades over the guys they have. And uh, if they want to get something done, they're, you know, as much as I, I like these these pieces they have in the minors, they may be forced to part with uh, some of them. Let's move on, though. Colby Allard of the Braves. He's at low A Rome right now. 305 ERA, 106 whip, 49 Ks to 10 walks. And we've talked a lot about you know, the the floors for a lot of these uh, prospects in the the Braves in this organization. A lot of risk. But when you look at Allard, is he maybe one of the the better pitching prospects that that they've been able to acquire in recent years?
2: Yeah, no doubt. I think he's... He's very safe, you know, assuming he stays healthy. Uh, lefty that, that has a plus fastball and, and plus curveball already. Uh, struggled initially in the Sally League, but has given up just four runs in his last 37 and a third innings between the Appalachian League and the, and the Sally League. He's back up there now and uh, really settling in. So this is a guy that's going to be in everyone's top 100 in the offseason season. Uh, might even sneak into some top fifties, uh, probably a number two, maybe number three starter. Uh, but I mean, the, if the changeup really comes along, you could be looking at a little bit more than that. Considering uh, he's left-handed and has uh, those two plus pitches already in tow with with solid command, so this is this is a guy that uh, you know I'm I'm really excited about, and uh, he he might be my favorite arm in their system right now.
3: Another arm in that system who's more advanced, but he's been set back by injuries in recent years. First by Tommy John surgery. Lately, he's been dealing with a recurring blister issue. But Max Freed, uh, he's at Low A Rome as well. But twenty two years old, four years older than than Allard. He's been pitching well when on the mound. Uh, better than a strikeout per inning. Walks have been up, but uh, you know, encouraging that you know he's been able to stay relatively healthy outside of this blister issue. Currently on the seven day DL. What are you uh, noticing in his performance that either lends you to be optimistic or, or maybe pessimistic with Freed?
2: Well, he he struggled out of the gates like Allard, but then you know prior to that blister issue, he was really rolling. had a had a one nine eight ERA and fifty six strikeouts in his last fifty innings. Uh, you know he's twenty two, and I know that that seems like he's too old to be considered a. a top prospect at at low a but he he legitimately missed about two years with that tommy john thing because his forearm you know he just kept being sort of babied with with forearm soreness and everything Mm -hmm. for for a few months back in uh 2014 then ends up having tommy john towards the end of 2014 so he misses almost all of 2014 all 2015 uh, comes back now. I mean, he he's basically a twenty-year-old in baseball years. So don't don't kind of be scared off by the twenty-two thing. I actually think if if this blister hadn't popped up, you might have seen him get promoted to high A by now. Uh, instead, he's still in that that low A Rome rotation, which is one of the best rotations in the minors in terms of talent right now. You got Allard, Freed, a couple other guys. We're gonna get to here. Uh, he's kind of more of a mid-rotation guy for me not not as much upside as as Allard but uh, you know another lefty that that's got uh the chance for two plus pitches i mean he he should be owned in in most serious leagues as well
3: yeah and yeah the fact that he's at low-A rome as you said is really just because he's still basically re- rehabbing returning from Tommy John building up strength slowly uh Maybe the potential? Would you say to once he is completely healthy, maybe at the start of the next year, next year, the the possibility he could rise relatively quickly.
2: Yeah, he's a guy of the guys we've talked about. I mean, if you want to try to acquire Alvarez or Allard, it's it's going to cost you quite a bit. I'd be trying to trade for Max Freed right now because this is a guy who next year, like you said, you know, people he could start putting up kind of crazy numbers at, at high A. In his in his second year back, and people people could start talking about him as a as a top fifty guy, early next year. So I mean now now is a perfect time, especially with this blister thing. It's not a long term injury. Uh, now is a perfect time to come call on uh, to his owner.
3: Yeah, numbers look good, not great. Uh, I think you're you're dead on there.
2: Let's talk about Mitch
3: Keller and the Pirates organization. Twenty year old, two eight six ERA, 092 WHIP. Hundred strikeouts to just fourteen walks in ninety-seven and two-thirds innings. Now the Pirates, you know, they they held off on assigning him to a, a full-season affiliate, as you point out here. Uh, do you think that approach, that kind of cautious approach with him, has paid off?
2: Yeah, I think you know he, uh, you know, I t- I touched on that twenty fourteen draft class and in, in the piece and and some of the guys that went ahead of him. Uh, Grant Holmes, uh, prep arms that went ahead of him. Mm. Grant Holmes, Luis Ortiz, Justice Sheffield, Michael Coppich, Jack Flaherty, Sean Reed Foley, Cody Reed, all reached full season leagues before Keller. But now that he's there, I think he's he's very much in that class. I mean, he, he might not be up there with guys like Holmes or, or Coppich, but I mean, he he's right there with guys like Flaherty and and Sean Reed Foley and Justice Sheffield, for me, uh, not as much upside as as the three guys we we talked about earlier, but uh, very, very safe mid-rotation arm to me. And <clears throat> if that's coming in Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. for fantasy purposes, that, that can be very valuable. I mean, this is a guy that uh, the whip could be great, ERA could be great. I, I don't think, you know, he's, he's striking out more than a, a batter printing right now. I don't think that'll be the case in the big leagues, but even if it's just like a – seven and a half caper nine if if the era and, and whip are low and you're pitching in pittsburgh i mean that's that's a good good thing
3: yeah absolutely the pirates though they have been known to be very cautious with right handers or well not right handers but just pitching prospects in general uh when do you think we'll see him do you think it won't be until maybe late 2018 early 2019
2: yeah they're gonna go uh slow and low with him i mean the the pirates uh, I like I like their tactics with with player development in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. I think they've been very successful, but they are one of the more cautious teams in terms of promotions. So I think he'll be one year at a time, mm-hmm. unless he just really forces their hand and for a midseason promotion.
3: You know, it seems obvious, but I do think you know, taking those kind of factors into account always something you should do. Just the, you know, obviously path and whatnot, but just team's history of of how they bring along prospects I think is important to, to think about when trying to evaluate, for fantasy purposes anyway. Let's talk about Chris Paddock, of the Padres organization. He was acquired uh, for Fernando Rodney earlier this year and has just been outstanding in the minors at the low levels this year. Is dealing with a build of uh, elbow, forearm issues right now, actually a strain. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little worrying. Yeah, that's troubling for sure, but, you know, given... AJ Preller some grief and he's deserved it, but what he's done lately, especially getting a guy like this for for a guy like Rodney, seems like a a win for that organization.
2: Yeah, I mean he's putting up the kinds of numbers uh, Paddock in the minors, you know that, uh, you know not at the level that that Blake Snell was last year, uh, because he's he's doing it in in the lower levels instead of the the upper levels of the minors. But these are the type of crazy video game numbers that that snell was putting up last year in the in the first half era under one whip under point six, seventy one to 5k to walk in 42 and <laughs> a third innings that's absurd uh the stuff really jumped up and i think <clears throat> you you see this uh especially with trades that happened before the deadline where i'm sure the the padres had been scouting uh paddock and in some recent games quickly got those reports in that the stuff had, had taken a big jump forward and then the the padres acted quickly on acquiring him before kind of the rest of the, the industry sort of caught up uh, to that i mean i think his his stock probably even from the day they acquired him to now if we ignore this this injury has probably doubled honestly i mean it, it's mm-hmm. it's been a big jump up for him uh, six foot four i i really like his his chances of of sticking as a starter and uh you know it's it's really tough to evaluate a guy with these numbers um, uh, because you know you obviously expect them to to regress at at some point but uh the guy that honestly could come into next year as a top 100 prospect and he wasn't even in the top 200 coming into the year
3: yeah uh, that'll be you know we'll be sure to monitor that elbow injury of course that could could change pretty dramatically if right. it turns out to be pretty serious. But even if it, you know, worst-case scenario, you know, maybe he ends up
2: needing Tommy John, but we're looking at a, a, a long-term
3: type of ass. Exactly.
2: It's not like, you know, it's not like we're pumping him up because he's in AAA and, yeah, and then exactly. on the verge of a call-up. I mean, this is, a, this is a long-term play. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, you know, just as a side note, Prowler's
3: ability to turn – uh, Yonder Alonso into Anderson <laughs> Espinosa yeah. over the course of what, like twenty months? That's yeah. pretty damn impressive. I
2: mean I I think that you would have to say that since he took over, he's at this point gotten back above five hundred yeah. in terms of the moves. You know, the yeah. only move really I mean the the Matt Kemp one it's it's bad <laughs> it from a, it's bad from a business standpoint because you don't paying them that money makes no sense. He's such but in a terms huge of, net negative in the in the field. Yeah, in terms of like hurting the franchise long term, I mean, I, I don't think Yasmani Grandal has really come back to bite them in a big way. There, no. uh, the big one obviously is, is Trey Turner and Joe Ross. But I think if you you factor in all the other moves he's made, I think he he's probably still coming out a, a tad ahead. So I, I think you know props props to him for kind of righting the ship there. Yeah,
3: and he's done that with you know that long term injury to Tyson Ross. Right, that would have been a big trade ship, especially right now with the they, market where it's
2: at. That's one of those. That's a Reds esque uh, window <laughs> missed oh, because man. you know if they had traded Tyson Ross this time last year when everyone was saying they should have. Yeah. Uh, Gotta assume the the return there would have been pretty some pretty special.
3: Yeah, it's sad that you know Preller's running running laps around Red's front office too <laughs> at this point. Uh, but let's move on to Franklin Kilome. Is that how it's pronounced? Kilome, Kilome, I think. Yeah, that seems right. Uh, you know, he's had some he's endured some struggles, but uh, especially with the command and. But he is uh, averaging better than a strikeout per inning, eighty-two strikeouts in seventy-eight and two-thirds. Uh, if you look past these surface numbers james what do you see
2: well <clears throat> everything's really bloated by the fact that he gave up 17 earned runs in his first three starts of the year mm-hmm. uh he's given up just 19 earned runs in in the last 13 starts so he's really righted the ship there uh the the control the control needs some work obviously i mean the the walks are are still too much i mean he's He's walking a guy almost every other inning here at at this point but i still think this is a guy that's that's low enough in the minors where i'm not going to hold that against him in a big way i think he's athletic enough to uh straighten out that that those command control issues as he moves up the ladder but the, the stuff is still frontline caliber if he can get that that control uh straightened out and uh, he's the type of guy that I, I could see in, in three or four years pitching right next to Vince Velasquez at the top of that rotation. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. if, if this is a guy that maybe another guy you can buy low on, I ended up having to package him in that, that big trade I made a weeks ago. Yeah,
3: that few, was a, couple that weeks was a ago. blockbuster. Yeah. That, that
2: like, nine-player dude? Yeah. Uh, I traded him and Michael Kopich, uh, who I really didn't want to trade, and Joey Gallo, who I really didn't want to trade. And I was I was kind of – you know quick tangent on gallo i was very sad when i when i watched him hit that that oppo field homer the other day because i just love him so much and like yeah. i don't like there's nobody who i enjoy watching homers more than than gallo and just knowing that i don't have any shares was was very sad uh that to, to take that i don't you saw that home run right yeah you, I, mean, was,
3: I mean that's ridiculous power
2: it, like no, like so few people like can take in the, the world. ball like that in that area of the the zone and hit it where he did as far as he did. I mean that's just insane. Like it's it's almost when you see him do that with that pitch, you wonder how he's not just hitting three fifty with mm-hmm. even more homers at, at AAA. I mean it's it's really 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 special power. Uh, yeah, but I had to had to throw. Kilame in that deal as well not too happy about it because I, I felt like I you know in the off season, I feel like I could sell him for, for a lot more because those surface numbers do kind of uh, water down his value a little bit which is the reason why I would uh, maybe go try to acquire him right now and just hope that you can get him at a discount because in the off season, I assume he's going to be in, in most top 100s.
3: Yeah you of course making that win now move and you got a couple big pieces and Edwin Encarnacion and others and also Able to do what you you wanted to do and were dead set on doing, and that was <laughs> shed that final year of that uh, Colton Wong extension. Got rid of the Colton so Wong extension.
2: It. Also got rid of the. I think I had Matt Harvey on the books for at least two more years, and That's you know, clearing those books. That that could you know, Matt Harvey could be good next year, but uh, he's also just I think extremely risky at mm. the moment, and just the idea of getting out from under. Uh, long long term commitment to him was appealing to me, and obviously getting w- long off the books was was huge for for morale, the, You know, <laughs>
3: huge for the clubhouse. <laughs> Absolutely. How much was Harvey? If he was uh, He was he was nineteen bucks. Oh, I think yeah. through through twenty eighteen. So, so if you know, say something happened and you you had to cut him or something, and <clears throat> then you'd be paying ten right. over the next two years. Quick side uh, word from our sponsor. If you need a website, why not do it yourself with Wix.com no matter what business you're in? Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag and drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to WIX.com. To create your own website today. The result is stunning, James. Moving on, Dylan Cease. He's at short season ball, Eugene in the Cubs organization. Twenty years old. You know, not a lot of, not a lot to go on here. Uh, body of work. You know, he's only thrown twenty one and two thirds innings, but hitting triple digits with the fastball. What are you seeing for uh, with Dylan Cease in terms of long term ceiling? You know, he's
2: got. <clears throat> he's got front of the rotation upside because of that, that fastball, uh, it's going to take, uh, some big, big strides in terms of the, the command and and the secondary offerings. But the fact that he's got a one, two, five whip right now, I think is encouraging, you know, the, the command was kind of the big question coming into the year where people, I think were probably at least 50, 50 split on whether he'd make it as a, a starter or a lever, uh, probably pointing more in his favor at this point, uh, it is it is fair to wonder, you know, about the workload because he, he's twenty. You know, at what point is he going to throw a hundred innings in a season? Might not be till next year at the earliest. Maybe maybe even after that. So we'll see what happens with him. A uh, ton of upside, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another
3: guy in the Braves organization you kind of alluded to earlier, Mike Soroka. Uh, he's inside your top one hundred and fifty in terms of overall prospects. He's only eighteen years old uh him and allard i mean that that makes a formidable young pair there do you think he'll be on a, a similar path uh, as Allard? Or do you think allard maybe moves quicker
2: i think soroka might actually move well they might actually kind of go up together mm-hmm. but soroka does have 104 innings under his belt at uh at low A. allard's way behind that pace although allard is the better prospect so he might move a little quicker and and keep up with with soroka there mm-hmm. uh I mean what a what a draft for them last year to get those two guys in uh in the first thirty picks. You know, you might you might have a number two and a number three starter there in, in the same draft. I mean that's that's really impressive. Uh so yeah, hats off to the Braves
3: there. Just skipping down and you know, a lot of guys you touch on here, again, check out the full article for yourself. Uh all in, in all of James's Farm Futures pieces throughout the year, but just jumping down the list here. My guy, Gohara in the paint. Luis <laughs> Gohara, he uh, is. Is it Low A Clinton right now? Nineteen years old, and you know, when I got him on our and staff too, I, you know, I, I should have known. You know, it wasn't he wasn't long for the roster because he's just so far away. But he's now with the Low A affiliate. Still, a guy that I you know, you have him one seventy three. Probably not a guy who's owned in a lot of no a lot of uh, dynasty and keeper leagues. But you think a guy maybe drafts next year he should be picked up in in most of those that roster at least 10 minor leaguers
2: yeah I mean I I scooped him up off uh, waivers a couple weeks ago in an expert dynasty league that allows in-season pickups and I think that's probably something you should explore because yeah like in 2014 this is a guy that I think was owned in most serious dynasty leagues because the hype was just so uh, intense around him, and then he just kind of struggled for for a bit, and and was probably dropped in a lot of leagues uh, because, you know, what's the point in rostering mm-hmm. a 18 year old in rookie ball who's struggling? struggling. You know, I mean, uh, no a,
3: trade value and right. just under, so far away,
2: understandable to cut ties. But now it's time to time to reinvest. He's he's figured some stuff out. Seems like he's been around forever because he was pitching in the Appalachian League when he was 16 years old. Uh, That's crazy. but now, I mean, he's still 19 at mm-hmm. low a young for the level, having a ton of success. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if there's a ton of hype around him, uh, this off season. So, I mean, now is the time to grab him before everyone starts to realize that he he's kind of back on track.
3: Yeah. I'm definitely with you there. Uh, we're going to move on great. Our latest rapper on the 20 to 80 scale, uh, Mace. We are gonna be creating mace. Should be interesting. But real quick, anybody else you just wanna to touch on, maybe give a shout out? Uh
2: yeah. Uh two guys really quick. Uh Tristan McKenzie touched on it at the top, uh stud in the the Indian system, eighteen years old, uh putting up crazy numbers in, in short season ball. He might get moved at the deadline, uh frontline potential. He's he's a guy he's not in the CBS player pool yet, so you might have to talk to your uh commissioner about having, you know, placeholder put in place there so you can roster him. But I mean definitely a guy worth grabbing. Sandy Alcantara in the Cardinals system. Uh he, he's another guy that touches triple digits. The the off speed stuff has taken a step forward this year. He's he's now looking like Uh, you know maybe he's 20 years old so he's not as young as you'd like but I mean the stuff is kind of on that same sort of track as Alex Reyes uh, back in the day so the Cardinals might have another uh, big time flamethrower coming up the ranks in Alcantara there so yeah I mean definitely I mean these are guys that a lot of these guys could be available on waivers in even in some serious leagues just because Mm -hmm. team uh, owners are sometimes hesitant to roster pitchers in the lower levels of the minors i totally get that i'd personally rather roster a guy with number two or or number one upside who's a long ways away from the big leagues than some you know iffy outfield prospect at double a where you're just like oh maybe he's a fourth outfielder maybe he's a little bit better than that Uh, i mean you got to go for upside outside of the top 120 or, or 150 or so and i think a lot of these guys offer that
3: yeah because if you, if you think about it like kind of like a stock if you buy now maybe you know talking late may early june next year oh, yeah. could be a, a significant I trade mean, shift
2: of the guys i touched on here i i would bet you know a third of them their value in dynasty leagues doubles between now and, mm-hmm. and may so uh not so yet do not, your yeah exactly. do
3: your research and and get active I, I definitely agree james we appreciate your insight as always we are going to grade mace tough grade because you know he when he broke on the scene i forget what was that puff song that lose our heads um i
2: oh, forget oh um
3: what?
2: yeah it's it, yeah we're trying not to lose our heads yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, when
3: he broke on that with that song and then had harlem world which you know, kind of, uh, and when you look at the time, at that time, it was kind of like a certified just banger. Oh, that was an, that was an, that an epic
2: album. I can't mean, hold me down. If if we were grading Mace just after that album, yeah, not knowing anything else, I think these <laughs> grades would be quite a bit higher. Yeah,
3: can't nobody hold me down. I mean, when he he broke on with that track, that was one of my favorite tracks as as a young youth. <laughs> um, but Mace, you know, quickly fell off. The second album was not good. Then, of course, became a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the window w- was short. <laughs> and we'll get to that in, uh, as part of the longevity and impact grades. But let's just start with lyricism. If you haven't heard before, we do grade uh, uh, the five tools we've established for evaluating hip-hop artists. Lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, and swag. And an overall grade. And we're grading these tools on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. I'm giving Mace a 40 for lyricism. You got 55. Rhyme schemes were good, but I think yeah, I think it was the flow and uh, you know, your flow grade reflects that as well. The fr- flow that really carried him.
2: Yeah, he's uh another one of the he's definitely one of those guys where there's a gap there between the, mm-hmm. the content and the delivery. Uh but I do think there were some tracks early in the day uh some ones where he was you know, sharing a track with biggie and and semi holding his own you know i, I think yeah, that, that, that's pretty know, impressive there's a big to me like you take like biggie's lyricism and puffy's lyricism and mace is like right in the middle yeah. so to me like you get what do you get like puffy like a 20 25 for lyricism <laughs> <Very low>. uh, <laughs> biggie and 80 <laughs> yes. so I, I think you know somewhere in that sort of 55 range kind of makes sense to me for mace man 24 hours to live just just oh, looking yeah. back at the that's, that's
3: the a harlem track. world track listing man Some really good tracks on there. You know, maybe 40 is a little low, but just looking at some of the the other grades I've given for lyricism, uh, I felt like it was fine. Like, Dre was a 30 for me, Future a 45. You're tough. You're tough on the lyrics. I'm tough
2: on the lyrics. You're you're easy on the uh, swag, and you're (laughs) tough on the lyrics. (laughs) This is very true. And look, it's...
3: It's hard to have that's the thing. It's hard to to really bring it with the lyric tool because it's easy to revert back to just mm-hmm. kind of basic, basic lyri- you know, yeah. lyrics BS. that are just easy yeah. and yeah. yeah, kind of BS. Flow. I got a fifty-five. You got a seventy. Really high mark for you from the flow. And I do like do like Mesa's flow. It's kind of effortless. You oh know? yeah.
2: Like, uh, yeah, he was kind of like Manny Ramirez, like on the <laughs> mic, just 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 <laughs> wow. kind of lazy and just just a. Making everything look easy, you know. Wow, uh, I like that. And yeah, I think the the I mean, and of course, the, this flow we're we're basically talking about Harlem World and the stuff he did off the Puff Daddy and the Family and and Biggie. Uh, what about Double Up, man? Life after death. No, I'm I'm not factoring in Double Up content here. Uh, also, not factoring in Welcome Back content here. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Um, Seventy Seventy Flow for me on on Harlem World. Yeah, that's that was
3: a really really strong album. Longevity, I got a 20. I don't know if I've ever given out a 20 for Longevity, but again, he had Harlem World double up. He was already kind of you know, old news
2: by that point. It wasn't a good album and then just vanished. I just switched mine from a 30 to a 20 because <laughs> honestly, you know, if we're if you just want to look, like, what does a 20 for longevity look like? Yeah. It has to it's be Mace, Mace. yeah. You know? Like, what? Exactly. A, like he's, like, kind he, of the, the de- running joke. The definition yeah. of longevity. Like, exactly. when people always reference, you know, what's 20 speed? Well, Billy Butler, you know, 20 longevity is, is Mace.
3: Yeah, and that's not to say he was necessarily a one-hit wonder, but in terms of albums, it was one hit, and then... He had about, he was
2: like, like, his peak, he was really popular. He had about 15 months or so of excellence and then it was just over (laughs) just over in a flash
3: impact i got a 30 i don't even know why i'm that high (laughs) so you got 35 i gave him a 35 Um,
2: just because i i've heard uh kanye west specifically has said that like mace was his favorite rapper coming up um i mean i i I know i mean mace people like i mean he's the type of guy where he's got songs that people that don't like hip-hop know all the words to like Mm -hmm. the the um, mo money, mo problems. Money I mean, problems. like that, these are tracks that like people that don't like hip hop know all the words to Mace, uh, very recognizable style, re- recognizable, uh, sound. I mean, I, mm. I think that they're he, he's got enough impact where I'll give him a 35,
3: yeah. And I guess he has impact, like with that effortless style, I think maybe that kind of influenced some sure. some people, uh. Yeah, so th- I got a thirty, you got a thirty five impact swag. <laughs> look, I got a thirty here. You got a twenty.
2: Uh I don't know if I've given have I given out a twenty swag before?
3: I don't think I don't think so.
2: Actually if yeah for capital I gave E <E40> forty a twenty five.
3: <laughs> Ouch, man. I still I still feel Oh, I gave Birdman a twenty two. Hurt by that that E forty grade. But uh look, Mace. If we're grading right after Harlem World, like you said, oh. this could be like a
2: sixty-five-seven. Yeah, we're, this is a plus tool, no question about it. If On we're, Harlem we're, World, if we're grading at that time, uh, yeah, but it so, really did I a lot mean, of damage to his his swag. Yeah, and afterwards. I think, I think Welcome Back Alone, <laughs> Welcome alone. Back, it might. I don't know if any album, if you factor in the content, like the uh, album cover and everything. I don't know if any. I mean not explicit you know so i mean uh oh yeah that's right i he, forgot about that he uh he cleaned up his act no more no more cussing on tracks for him yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> you know uh, to me just stay retired at that point yeah just stay out of the game and <laughs> another thing it was just an obvious like cash grab right and it worked i mean i think he did make some money off of it but hmm. you know if you want to go be a, a pastor I'm going to have to give you a 20 on the swag. Wow, that album went gold. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, did you did
3: you remember that he's wearing a brewer's hat? Yeah, it's a bad, um, bad look. That's a, <laughs> it's a bad look. I can't really say anything because, you know, Birdman rocks the red stuff a lot, but, yeah, that's not, not what you want for sure. Overall, I got a 35. You got a 45. Uh, you're giving him a little bit more respect. Again, it was just the fact that it was that one album
2: I'm giving him a 45 because I could put together, like, a 20-song mix of, like, Mace songs, and I would happily listen to that on repeat for a while. And I I can't say that about a lot of people or a lot of rappers. I mean, he he has enough tracks in the back where I I can't go lower than the 45. I'm going to go 40. I I feel like I gave him enough shade in in some of those categories to (laughs) properly uh, evaluate him. Yeah,
3: I'm going to give him a 40 because he's, you know... He's a guy that will reach the majors, you know, if we're talking comps here, but not I mean, a he, guy that's going to be a, f- a regular
2: for he that He made one. an all-star game. Like, if you were to talk, yeah. like, I mean, he would have – he was definitely an all-star caliber player for one season.
3: He was an all-star, and then the next year he was, like, a, a bench player. He was in an independent
2: league, I think.
3: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> true. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening. Thanks a lot. We'll be back with you next week.
1: this is the story of harry's for decades one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers then one day an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors he was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving they called it harry's by taking less profit and selling online harry's can offer quality blades for less You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.